Welcome to Your Magic. I'm your host, Michelle T, and today I'm talking to tarot reader, tarot creator, and witchy woman extraordinaire, Sarah Potter. We're going to talk about her new Cosmo Tarot, which she made with Cosmopolitan Magazine, formative occult shops, and some of our fave decks. Afterwards, I have a simple spell that brings astrology and tarot together to help you summon your natal powers. Stay with us. Like I mentioned in the intro, today I'll be talking to Sarah Potter about, among other things, this deck of tarot cards she made for Cosmopolitan magazine. And it got me thinking about the woman who was the face of Cosmo for so long, the Aquarius Helen Gurley Brown. She reigned as editor-in-chief from 1965 until they booted her for being, quote, out of touch in her 70s. But not only was HGB an Aquarius, I actually share a birthday with this woman. And I have to ask, was she really out of touch or was it ageism? She did go on to be editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan International until she died at age 90. And if her name sounds familiar, she was also the author of the groundbreaking for its time book, Sex and the Single Girl, published in 1962. I love thinking about the people I share a birthday with. Perhaps it's a bit of a narcissistic endeavor, but it was recently my birthday, so humor me. Learning I shared an astrological origin story with the glamorous Helen Gurley Brown inspired me as a magazine-reading tween in Chelsea, Massachusetts, a place where glamour was in short supply, but oh, how I craved it. Could there be something magic in our birthday that launched us into charming yet outlandish destinies? I sure hoped so. A little later in my early teens, I also learned I shared a birthday with both John Hughes and Molly Ringwald. What? I lived for Pretty in Pink. I felt seen by that movie with its misfits and thrift store finery. There were obvious problems with the plot. She should have been with Ducky, duh, and Iona should have stayed goth, or at the very least, not gone preppy for some coke-snorty American psycho. And there was a train of other deeply problematic shit that would not fly in 2022 and should not have flown in the 80s. But, you know, at the time, it was a revelation for me. When I hit my 20s, I lezzed out hard and began writing in earnest. I was legit shook to learn I had the same birthday as both Toni Morrison and Audre Lorde. What the actual hell? Two of the most powerful, revered, deep, daring writers. Writers whose work was intertwined with who they were in the world, whose prose was strong and enchanting and insightful enough to allow for the totally radical agenda the work held. These writers were my heroes. I prayed that whatever shining goblet of Aquarian genius that had rained down on them had left like a driplet of water at the bottom that I might wet my inspiration with. Right now, and truthfully always, I am super grooving on sharing a birthday with Yoko Ono. Yoko Ono is one of my favorite creative spirits on the planet. I'm in awe of her book, Grapefruit. Reading it makes me feel an electric itch on my insides, like I must do something. The work makes me want to enact it. Once, after stumbling upon a show of her stuff at a gallery in Italy, I stood and watched a film of the very first performance of Cut Piece, her legendary performance where she invited the audience to take up scissors and cut a piece of her clothing off. She was so brave and vulnerable in the recording. In her calm repose, she was like the high priestess, even as the piece provoked a visible misogynistic rage in some of the men who participated. Watch it if you get the chance. It's actually disturbing. 
Revelation, a song she made with cat power, is actually an incantation, a spell or a prayer, and a piece of art that is very precious to me. Yoko has been through it. She had mental health issues in her youth and was admitted to an asylum by her parents. Abandoning her first child led to decades of estrangement. When she picked up on energy between John Lennon and his secretary, she just took off for a whole year, insisting that they get together and get it out of their system. Apparently, John was miserable the whole time. A codependent Libra, he sometimes wore on lofty, independent Aquarian Yoko's nerves. I'm thinking about Yoko a lot lately, and it's not just because, as I recently turned 51, I'm on the alert for some aging inspo, and she's it, dashing around in leather micro minis and extravagant sunglasses well into her 70s. It's actually because, though she is in part so famous for having married John Lennon, the Beatle was actually her third husband. Third time's the charm indeed. In a couple of days, I will be tying the knot for the third time myself. I love knowing that it took Yoko three tries to find her true love. Maybe that's the lucky number for weird feminist women with our birthday. Maybe it's a little goofy, this confluence of celebrity worship and self-obsession. Or maybe we are just creatures that need the stories of others, like a type of spiritual nutrient. We're not all alone inside our strange proclivities and twisty life paths, our mysterious fates. Others have lived out their own confused karma, and I take comfort in the grace or clumsiness with which they handled it. And when they have my very own birthday, February 18th, if you're curious, it's hard not to look at them sort of like patron saints, even if they're still alive. Here's Sarah Potter. Welcome, Sarah Potter, to your magic. I'm so happy that you're on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here, too. I just recently received your Cosmo Tarot, and I really want to talk to you about it. It's so fun. It's so fun to work with. And I'm wondering, what was your sort of guide as you created this deck? You know, when this whole project started, it came about in the beginning of the lockdown. And it was really lovely to have something to be inspired by and something to channel all of my energy into. And I started thinking about the first tarot deck I bought and finding tarot at 12, which I feel like is a time when we're searching for something. I mean, I will fully admit I picked up a deck of of cards at that age to find out who had a crush on me (laughs) and um, to explore my love life. But, you know, I was just thinking about, I had a lot of questions. I was wondering about so many things. And what I could find was not always accessible, or I felt like didn't, it it felt a little above my, where I was at, you know, at 12. And I was thinking about that idea of questioning and wonder and how much that transcends age and seeking answers is something that we're always doing as humans. I wanted to put all of that energy into what I was looking for in a deck at that age and thinking of a tarot deck as like, I don't know, another friend at the party who has that advice and wisdom and reflection. And there is like a little bit of this like young teen Sarah questioning, but just that essence of wonder and fun, because I think that magic should be fun and approachable and accessible and encourage those questions. Like it's, it's okay to ask. It's okay not to know. And let's make exploring 
fun too. Ah, well, you did such a great job with it. It does really have this very youthful, playful feel to it. And I like that the answers are sort of blunt and it's like, here it is, you know, and it's very down to earth and like playfully, I don't want to say plain spoken because it's got a lot of energy and it's like very playfully spoken. And I love that because I know what you mean. It's like, you know, okay, sometimes you are truly in the midst of like a deep spiritual quandary, but a lot of the times we turn to the tarot for these more, I don't know, like daily, daily wonders. Like, you know, does this person have a crush on me or am I going to get this thing that I'm hoping to get? And sometimes I have a lot of tarot decks. I'm sure you do too. Sometimes you have those decks that are like so mystically dense and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm really just asking if like, if I should text this person, like it's not that, it's not that deep. Right. And you get like, you know, super, and, and I, I've learned not to read with those decks for other folks, because even if I love them, like some of them I really love, but I'm like, they're so insanely mystical. It's like, you have to be on mushrooms together to like, understand what the hell they're saying. Absolutely. What was that first deck that you picked up when you were 12? Congratulations for finding tarot at 12. Also, I mean, that's so awesome. It was the 90s. So it was a little bit more, it was at the mall. So that's where I found it. And it's so funny. I remember there was like a a pretty lovely selection, all things considered. What was the store at the mall that had the tarot decks? It was called East Meets West. (laughs) And it was like wizard candles and dragon statues and tie-dye and tarot decks and oh my god I love it you know very exciting yeah. to have it upon when you're 12. Yeah how great to have an, an occult store at your mall I mean that's amazing. Oh totally I was really looking at that Rider weight deck that magician was so intriguing and so I remember I was deciding between that one or cat people do you know that deck tarot of the cat people yes i do i do i love that deck i love that deck too and i remember like looking at the imagery because they had samples and there were these just like human cat mystical figures and i was like ooh, like this is really speaking to me but then it just like you know, the intuitive voice tapped in and was like, go with the classic. So right. I totally picked up that. Oh my gosh. Well, you gotta, some, I mean, there is truth to like, there's something to really kind of grounding yourself into the the classic and the original right. to then prep you for all like the, you know, d- deviations from that, all the amazing deviations from the writer weight. Yes. And you know, now that I'm talking to you, I just realized I never picked up the cat people deck. Like I remember th- sitting there in the mall, like I can only afford one. And I was like, oh, okay, like, well, when I get more into it, I'll, I'll do the cat people. But I actually did not get a second tarot deck until almost 20 years later. Oh, really? And which one did you get at that point? At that point, I picked up I think it was actually the wild unknown. Oh, it's such a good one. That's a really pretty one. And I feel like I, I've realized and I have so many tarot decks. I love collecting tarot decks and I never picked up cat people. Well, I have to tell you, I really love the cat people deck a lot. It was, you know, before it was one of the few decks that have been out there through the years that had like people of color in it before this more contemporary moment of like people of color actually creating decks and like people being like like having a lot more awareness about representation in tarot. Um, So it's. It's by the artist of that deck is Karen Koykendall, and I might be saying her name incorrectly, but it's K-U-Y-K-E-N-D-A-L-L. So this is wild. I always forget her last name, so I just was giving it a quick Google. And the first thing that came up was the store East Meets West. If I want to yes. buy it, they have it still. Oh my God, I love this. 
that store is still there and they have a really strong online presence, I guess. But Karen Koikendahl is really incredible. She she was an artist beyond just creating this tarot deck. And this motif of these particular cats and the way she drew and painted cats carried through to all of her artwork. She did all these sculptures of these cats from this world that's, that is in the deck. And she made all this jewelry, the sculptural jewelry that the characters in the deck are wearing. She made that like... She is a wild artist. She, you know, her interpretations of all the cards are like, they're spot on. It's a, it's a really good deck. Wow. Oh, I'm ordering it when we complete here because it's a must that it be part of this collection. What, what has your most recent, recent acquisition to your tarot collection been? What, what, what are you, what have you been reading with right now or, or most recently? I use the Miss Cleo deck constantly. I should know the artist's names by heart now. I don't. But it was inspired. It's Miss Cleo from the 90s. It, it's her deck from 2000. And it's all ancient Egyptian imagery. When it came out, it came with a VHS tape. What? And it's Miss Cleo explaining all of the cards. And she instructed the artist to do ancient Egyptian imagery because of her belief that tarot comes from ancient Egypt. And so it's all, all the illustrations resonate with pixies. But um. I don't know. It's really lovely and it's always within reach of me. It's right here. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. So now you're going to get the cat people deck and I'm going to get the Miss Cleo deck. All right. Yes. And I'm wondering, like, I've never encountered any other tarot decks that come with a VHS tape. No. And you never will. (laughs) You never will again. (laughs) A very specific moment in time. Yeah. That's really cool though. Oh my gosh. Um, So how old were you? Okay, so you started reading tarot when you were 12. Like, when did you start understanding that this was an interest and a talent that you could actually build your life around? When did you start knowing that like this was your a calling in a deeper way? So I feel like from a very young age, I understood it was my calling. I just ran from it for a very long time. I was raised in a way that was very accepting of the spiritual world of family members who had passed, loved ones who had passed, they were still very much honored and part of our lives. But there still is, I think we all just want to be accepted. And like, I hate to say it, but like normal. And, you know, I feel like being the kid who's talking to everyone's dead relatives and the ghosts and spirits is not exactly, especially, I mean, where I grew up was not of the norm. And I was just like, oh, I just want to be, I had this vision of what like a normal teenager was like and I was like I just want to be this like normal like happy teenager just blissfully unaware of this and uh, I just spent a long time running and like Tara was always part of my life it was just really secretive mm-hmm. and then I just kept having these moments where it was like you can run but you cannot hide and I actually had a really impactful reading with a friend this was about five years ago And the main message was like, why do you keep running from this? Like, what are you doing? And a lot of the issues that you're bringing up and you're talking about and the resistance, it's going to melt away if you just accept this and, and running and resisting is so much harder. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I'm just, I hear you, but I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I think I'm going to keep resisting for another good <laughs> six months. And, um, you know, and that was always like nagging at me in the back of my mind. I, I just, it was the weirdest thing. Like one time I was out at a coffee shop getting coffee and a woman just came up to me and was like, do you read 
cards because I've been looking for a tarot reader and I just feel very strongly like I want to have a reading from you. Oh my gosh. And I was telling my dad about it and and he was like, what? What is that about? And I was like, he's like, what were you doing? Did you have your cards out? And I was like, no, like what? I wasn't like walking around with like my tarot emblazoned t-shirt like and like cards like spilling on my bag. It was just like, <laughs> out getting coffee and like and it kept happening like people would contact friends of mine on instagram and just say like oh like does sarah do readings like i want to book a reading with her and and then he would call me and say like are, are you doing readings like are you doing are you letting people know you do that and i was like no what i was like oh and like it just kept happening like more frequently more intensely and again i'm like i nah like i'll just like resist that some more no 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 and finally, a friend asked me to read cards at her uh, book party, and I I couldn't say no to her. I just felt like I like uh, I just knew I was I would disappoint her if I said no, and that kind of feeling was crushing me. And so I agreed, and she was like, "I asked because I knew you wouldn't say no." Wow! Like look at the universe working through all these people in your life, like from like your good friends to strangers in coffee shops, to kind of push you into your destiny. I love that. Yeah. And it sounds unbelievable because it felt unbelievable. And then after that, it was just I something clicked and I had such a good time. And I just stopped saying no and started saying yes to the things that felt aligned. And it really, it just all started to flow. And it feels like it sounds easy, but I will say like, there were so many, like at that point, it was almost like it was 20 years of study and like, doing the work on my own and and privately like with friends just not never talking about it because I, I just always had this thing like I don't want to be the weirdo like and I'm just like everyone's a weirdo and like everyone's a weirdo totally and if you're not like then you're extra weirdo like, <laughs> you're so the biggest weirdo I of them like, all <laughs> yeah that's like the the weirdest of the weirdos so I embrace it and it was just everything really and i do believe that when you're on the right path everything does fall in line it's still it takes work but you know the doors continue to open i'm getting from from this story and from things that you said that you're you're also able to see spirits or at least feel spirits like communicate with spirits this is true this is one of the things you are able to do how do you how did that first start happening for you oh i don't remember a time when it wasn't happening really? yeah it's been happening since i was like little little kid and it was pretty i mean pretty terrifying but my mom was always like it's okay like this is this is part of our family this is part of our lives like what do you see and we would just talk about it it was funny. I didn't even really notice how used to the spirits in my house I was until I went to college and lived in the dorm. And I remember the first night I stayed in my dorm, I, I missed the spirits in my house just as much as like, you know, I didn't really miss my parents, but I missed those spirits. And I was like, oh, it just felt so sterile in the dorm. Were there no spirits in the dorm? I didn't feel them. Yeah. You would think like, I mean, a college dorm. Like so much activity. Yeah, but it felt like like off-putting and odd. And I just didn't feel like they were just as much a part of my, my family as well. So that was when I was like, oh, I grew up in a way that's kind of different. That was just, I was just so used to it. And I certainly did not tell my roommates because I was like, I just like want to be like 
as not weird as possible, <laughs> which now I feel like it's like so like, like, I feel like it's so much more accepted. And it, it is. Yeah. So it's always been there. And I feel like I I talk about it pretty openly. And I notice it a lot when I travel and I'm in hotels, like the spirits that I see there. And and I'll talk about it just in, I feel like anyone who's around me is talking a lot, like should be used to this by, by now. And most of them are. But sometimes it is funny that people are like, oh my God, like, wait, what? Like you saw a bunch of ghost children in your hotel room. And I was like, oh, it was fine. They were very cute. Like they were just rambunctious and playing and I was trying to sleep. And I was just like, oh, like, please let me, like, I like to go to bed early. Like, please let me sleep. But they were having fun and playing. Wow. So in your experience are most, if not all spirits like benevolent, have you mostly encountered benevolent spirits or new, are they neutral or like, what is the energy that you're feeling off of them? I'm mostly neutral and benevolent, but I've definitely experienced ones who are are not. But I feel like it, I feel very much the spiritual realm is similar to what we're dealing with on this earthly plane where there's all different personalities, all different people. We clash with some, we don't vibe with others. And I, I've had ex- experiences that I want to say they scare me, but they feel like off-putting. But I'm sure that we've all had those experiences with humans too. I have so many tarot decks here, including yours. And I also have this Toth deck. I don't know how you feel about it. But if you're open to it, I'd love to pick some cards for you. Oh, my gosh. I'd be so thrilled. Is there anything that's uh, on your mind right now? You know, I love love readings. And I feel like so many clients will say to me, like, oh, they'll express almost like a little bit of hesitation about asking about love. And I'm like, no, love's my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah. We all come to the tarot for love. What's your what's your astrological makeup? So I have a Virgo sun, Cancer moon, Sag rising, and my Venus is in Libra. Okay, I'm like I'm feeling that Libra. I'm feeling like some sort of love goddessy energy from you. Some sort of like Leo, Pisces, Vir- Libra kind of situation. Well, what do you want to know about love, the love realm? You know, I just feel like what do I need to know about? Okay, like what's going on in it right now? What's the energy? Yeah, I would just like any insight. I would love to know. I Okay, so I'm just shuffling asking, what does that sphere look like for you right now? Um, what would be helpful for you to know? And I'll pick three cards on that. All right. Sarah Potter, it's looking a little banged up. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's looking a little banged <laughs> up. I think you need to do some clearing, some sort of, it's very interesting. Okay. So, and and I say that in two out of the three cards are Scorpio cards and you know, the Scorpio new moon is upon us. It's coming up fast and we're in Scorpio season. So I think it's maybe, I don't know, whenever I'm such a, like, I, I don't have a Sag rising. I have a Sag moon though. And I feel like Sag is like such the can do sign. And I have a Sag stellium and whenever I do a reading for people and, hard challenging cards come up I'm just like okay we got to get to work how can we fix this you know I'm like we're gonna fix this so your first card here is the five of cups which is called disappointment in this and it's Mars and Scorpio and you know it's like there was a heartache like like maybe you're being maybe you're a little plagued by a past heartache whether that is something that was a relationship that went awry or maybe it was something that you were kind of 
hoping for that didn't kind of come to pass, but there's some sort of a sense of, of a disappointment. And what's interesting is your next card is, is really an echo. Um, it's the seven of swords, which in this deck is called futility. And it's that um, moon and Aquarius. And so this is an interesting card. It's a very, it's sort of like the shadow side of being idealistic is sort of what this is. And in some sense, possibly the shadow side of being a romantic. Because with that moon, well, with the Aquarius, there's this tendency to, to aim really large intellectually, to dream really big, which we love that about Aquarian energy, like dreams really big. But then you get the moon that's like, actually, I just want to cuddle. Like, I don't need all of that. Like that actually, no. Like, so it's, you know, the reason why it's called futility, it's, it's talking about some sort of like a plan or a fantasy. It's sort of a plan that reveals itself to be a fantasy is sort of what it is because there was just something about it that it aimed a little bit too high and didn't take into account human needs, the needs of the heart, the needs of the emotions. So, so there's this, this, this an interesting story that's kind of coming out here of just sort of like, like a romantic vision and a romantic ideal that aimed a little too high. And that's maybe left you feeling like, well, what is romance? I'm not sure. I know, you know, is romance, am I so romantic that my heart's always going to get broken because nobody can join me in my like Alice in Wonderland fantasy of romance, you know, and then it's ending with this Prince of Cups and in this deck, the Prince of Cups, he's very Scorpio. You know, and he's like, he's really, it's very interesting. Like he, the, the, his drama is that he is on this big eagle bird here and it's a magical creature and it could fly very high into the sky or it could go deep under the water. And it's doing neither because this, this prince is just sitting there hemming and hawing. And so it's like, it's, it's some fear and a lot of control. And it's that idea of Scorpio as being like a very controlling sign. And you know that, I think that there's truth in that, um, you know, stereotype of them. But I think the thing is, is that they feel emotions very intensely. And so the stakes are high for them. So if they're going to get them into a, if they're going to get themselves in a situation that's going to provoke their emotional intensity, like they, uh, they want to control it because they don't want to go on that roller coaster. And so I wonder if that's where you're, you've been left a little bit as a result of these disappointments where you're like, oh God, you know, I'm very sensitive to, to romance, very sensitive to heartache. I don't know. I don't know if I want to throw my hat in the ring if I'm going to end up disappointed, you know, by some scrub who, you know, doesn't share my vision. So it looks like that, it looks like that is the story of your romantic sphere right now. Does that feel does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is first of all, I always say I always date the page of cups. Oh, that's the equivalent. Yeah. I date a lot of emotional singers and I feel like the page of cups is every guy, especially in a band. Oh my God. It's funny. The first two cards make me think about something that I came up in an astrology reading I had and it came up in therapy like the same week about how, you know, both practitioners said to me that, you know, I'm really good at what I do at work because I can see the potential of the energy. I can see the forward potential of what's going to unfold. And then I do it in my romantic life. So I see the potential of someone rather than the person that's right in front of me. Oh, okay. And then you hear it from the astrologer and the therapist and then the cards. It's like, oh, I know. Oh, I love though that that, like this is something that's in play for you right now that like you're thinking about and talking about with in all these different modalities. Like that's so cool. I feel like that's such a classic femme issue also where like, oh, I'm an intuitive giving femme and I can see how wonderful you could be. Let me partner up with you and like guide you slowly towards your greatness, you know? 
Wow. We love that page of cups, you know? I feel like that card gets a bad rap. I think that person can get a bad rap, but like, I actually am delighted to see he showed up in our reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that you're just doubling down with it. It's like, we can't change what we're attracted to. I think it's just all about like learning how to tread those paths like more wisely, you know, and like learning from our experiences, you know, and um, until you find that perfect Prince of Cups that is like the one that's meant to be for you, you know, I just kind of cut the deck in the middle and was like, well, where, where is this going? You know, I'm like, where is this going? Because you're getting all this messaging from, from all of your practices, it sounds like, and I picked up the Ace of Discs. So that's really cool, right? So yeah. like, all, yeah, all of this like self-knowledge and learning and processing, bringing you to a spot where you're able to kind of set off on a new, a new path, like on the earthly realm, which is where romance takes place, right? In our bodies with other people in their bodies. So that's really cool. I love that. Yeah, I still love love. I've definitely like, I've had some really wild experiences in that department, but uh, I just, there's a lid for every pot. Hello, listeners, it's I, Michelle T, with a simple but strong spell to help you get in touch with your natal astrological powers. Though it really is pretty easy peasy, it may require a tiny bit of research, but what you're studying up on is you. Here's what you'll need to get this going. And remember, if you're short an ingredient, it's okay to skip it or to substitute, or really just spin the whole thing in a direction that feels even better for you. This spell is a jumping off point. It's 100% customizable please gather a tarot deck. Find the major arcana card that corresponds with your sun sign. Here's a quick run through. Aries is the emperor, Taurus is the hierophant, Cancer the chariot, Gemini the lovers, Leo is strength, Virgo is the hermit, Libra is justice, Scorpio is death, Sagittarius is temperance, Capricorn the devil, Aquarius the star, and Pisces is the moon. Let this card be the centerpiece of your altar or whatever surface you'll arrange your things around. Candles. Fire signs, use red or orange candles. Earth, use green or brown. Air, use yellow or purple. Water, blue or silver. White and black candles can be brought in, as well as anything that represents your star sign or your element. Have paper or a journal handy. This is sort of a meditative spell. Begin by lighting the candles and think about what it means to be the element that you represent. What does it mean to be a fire sign or an earth sign, air sign or water sign? Take a moment after lighting them to make some notes. Sit with your tarot card. What from the image jumps out at you or really resonates? Do you connect with this card? Why or why not? Is there anything about it that puts you off or intimidates you? Write about it. Next is where your research will come in handy. Spend some time writing about the characteristics of your sun sign that really mean something to you. Are there aspects that frighten you? How come? See if you can discern a sort of inverted power there. Are there aspects you wish you could access better? Write about it. You do have to be familiar with the traits your sign is known for, so make sure, if that's not clear to you, that you do a little Googling beforehand. And while you're at it, Google and see who shares your actual day of birth. Anyone you freaking love? Put a picture of them on your altar. Make them your patron saint, the god, goddess, or goddess of your sign. What do you love about them? Write it down. You're going to channel it. When you're done with all your writing, put down your paper, take a deep breath, and turn inward. 
Imagine these traits that you love having, that you want more of, that you want to fearlessly explore. Imagine they are all energies. Give them weight or color, scent or texture. Breathe them into your body. What does it feel like? What about the traits your birthday saint has? Call those in too. Call out to that icon in your mind or out loud and ask them to lend you some of their powers. You can follow your own vibe here. Do whatever you feel like doing to call in those energies. Talk or sing, dance or be still, do some yoga, chant, whatever your practice contains or whatever you're inspired to do. When you feel done, stop. End with an expression of gratitude toward the universe for making you the sign that you are, for giving you those strengths and those lessons. Let the candles burn down or snuff them out. Keep journaling throughout the week and take note of how you feel if you're embodying your sun sign in a different or more vibrant manner. Obviously, this is a really great practice to do on your solar return, but you can do it anytime. You can also play around with it and do similar rituals for other aspects of your astrological chart, a moon sign meditation or a mercury manifestation. Enjoy yourself. Well, listeners, another episode draws to its close. We hope you feel inspired to use the lenses of tarot and astrology to think about your world, to increase your self-understanding, to play with and meditate upon. They are two ancient tools we are so lucky to have in the here and now, and a fascination with them is a gift that keeps on giving because we will never know all there is to know about them. Here's to always be solving those unsolvable mysteries of the universe. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. You can subscribe to us right here on Spotify. Do what you have to to never miss an episode. Email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We'd love to hear from you. And you can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Angelica Chrysostomo. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening. <laughs>